last week, I, I used the illustration of a sandwich. And I said that, and it has been said before, that 1 Corinthians 12 uh, to 14 is like a sandwich. Uh, chapters 12 and 14 on the outside are, are like the bread and the filling, the meat, the, the, the sumptuous bit is there in the middle in, in chapter uh, 13. And so, God willing, this is the, the, the last sermon we will be having in chapter 12. And so we're very close to that filling. And I hope that as we go through this finishing part of this chapter 12, we will get a sort of a sense and an excitement of the wonder of what's to come. So I don't know what your favorite sandwich filling is, but for me, it's like a sizzle of bacon there. It might be some beef for your cheese or whatever it is. This, this, I want us to be thinking and seeing that this, this, this wonder is to come. In, in chapter 13. Now, that doesn't mean that chapter 12 is not important. Chapter 12 is vitally important. A sandwich without bread would not work. Uh, and, and so we just need to finish off what's here so we can continue into 13, and then that will allow us to then go to 14, and we'll get this complete body of teaching that Paul brought to the Corinthian church, and he brought it to them saying, he didn't want them to be uninformed. As we saw last week in, chapter, in, in this chapter 12 in verse 27, Paul reminds these Corinthians that they are the body of Christ. He reminds them that they are the church. He reminds them that they are believers. And so as we come into this, we would do well to remind ourselves what it is to be part of the church, what it is to be part of the body of Christ. The church is, is made up of sinners. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sinners here this morning. But we're not all members of the church. We're not all members and body of Christ and so what's the difference? You see, the church is made up of sinners who have recognized their hopelessness before a sinless and perfect and just God. God is perfect. God is just. God is holy. God is without sin. And we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And God is the creator and the owner of the world and the heavens and us. When we are in our sin, we are at odds with God. When we are in our sin, we are in rebellion with God. When we're in our sin, we are spiritually dead. And the church, the body of Christ, is made up of people who've come to realize their state before God as sinners. And this happens through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit opens their eyes and shows them their sin and shows them their need of a Savior and makes them spiritually alive. And then they call upon the name of the Lord and they're saved. Rather than trying to work out their own salvation, rather than trying to make themselves right with God, Rather than thinking, if I come on a Sunday, if I read during the week, if I drop my tithes and offerings, if I do this, if I do that, they realize that they can do nothing. And they're simply holding on to the fact 
that the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was on the cross, he paid the price for their sins. He took the, the, the wrath and the judgment of God that they deserve and they're trusting in Jesus. And so when Paul reminds these Corinthians that they are the body of Christ, this is what he's reminding them. They've been saved by grace. They've been brought into the family of God. And, and Paul, before he writes out this second list of, of spiritual gifts, he again tells them that God appoints the gifts. And this is the third time in this passage. This is an important thing. It is God that appoints the, gift, the spiritual gifts. It's the Holy Spirit that gives them. And then as we saw last week, there was this list in verse 28. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. And last week we looked at these gifts we looked at the gifts that were not on the first list, the gift of apostles, teachers, uh, helping and administrating. And, and we saw from God's word last week that the Corinthians knew and recognized Paul as an apostle. They knew that Paul was sent by God as an apostle. He was sent on task. And we saw last week from Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19 and on to 20, particularly that the apostles had a special job to do in the early church. And the special job they had to do was to establish the foundation. Ephesians 2 and 19 reads, You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. They're the church. And the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone. And the prophets and the apostles had this role, this responsibility, this job of building the foundation. We saw last week from the scriptures that when an apostle spoke to the church, when the apostle wrote the words in the Bible, it was exactly the same as an Old Testament prophet. An Old Testament prophet would say, thus says the Lord. And when the apostle came and spoke, it was authoritative and it was reverity and it was God speaking. We saw that again underlined in 2 Peter and chapter 3 and verse 2. And, and he's talking about the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. The apostles brought the scriptures to God's people. The holy prophets brought God's word to the people. And as such, the Corinthians would recognize Paul as an apostle and the other apostles as someone that had been sent by God and their role was to build the foundation and the foundation was bringing God's word to his people. And now we have the blessing of that foundation. We have the blessing of the apostles and the prophets teaching. It is God's word. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, inspired those prophets, inspired those apostles, inspired those writers, so that we have God's Word with us in its completion, in its entirety, everything that we need as a believer. 
And so we saw last week that the, the role and the gift of apostle and prophet, as the Corinthians understood it, as that first century church understood it, as the early believers understood it, as God's word shows it, is no more. It is no more because the foundation has been built. The foundation is at the bottom. The foundation is on the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no need for any new foundation. There is no need for any new revelation. And we saw and we are fearful of the dangers of people who think that they are bringing new revelation. And so often we see spiritual abuse and real problems and, and, and sects and, and all manner of dangerous things coming out. But for the Corinthians and for that early church, God blessed them with the gifts of the Spirit for apostles and prophets. We can thank God for it. We can thank God for his word. And we can thank God that he also gave teachers. And teachers are those who explain and apply God's Word. Teachers, preachers uh, are those people that God uses to bring His Word to us. Uh, prophets and, and apostles brought God's Word through the Holy Spirit to us. And now the teacher is the one who explains and applies God's Word. A teacher brings insight to God's Word. A teacher brings application. But the teacher never, never, never brings a new revelation. There is no new revelation. We have all the revelation that we need from God in His Word. And then we saw we had help and administration and these are, are spiritual gifts, and these gifts of the Spirit are very, very practical. And I think this was a shock to the Corinthians, and maybe it came as a bit of a shock to us. And certainly in our Zoom session, when we were talking and discussing about it, some people were quite excited by this thought that these, the, these helping and administration, and in other references we've got giving, and in other references we've got other very practical areas. But these practical areas should always be for the good of the church, for the building up of the church. Now, now the big shock for the Corinthians wasn't just that there was very, very practical spiritual gifts. But it was the fact that tongues didn't even make the top three. It was the fact that in both lists, tongues came last. And there is something much, much better, and this is what we're going to see as we come into these last two verses. And, and the first main point for, for this morning is, are all, do all. Are all, do all. And you can see very clearly which verses this comes from. This comes from verses 29 and 30. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Are all, do all. In some ways, this was a rhetorical question. Paul was asking this question to them. And the Corinthians only had to look around to see that the answer, no one 
had all the gifts. Not all of them were apostles. Not all of them were prophets. Not all of them were teachers. Not all of them worked miracles. Not all of them possessed the gift of healing. Not all of them spoke with tongues. And not all of them interpreted. And Paul was underlining to these people. He he was showing them again and again and again that the spiritual gifts are given individually and uniquely. It's like Paul saying to them, look around at the evidence. You know that I'm telling the truth by the evidence around you. And sometimes we need to do exactly the same because this rhetorical question reconfirms to us some of the things that we've been seeing earlier in this passage. We don't all have the same gifts. So no one gift is for everyone. We don't all have the same gifts. So no one gift is a sign of spiritual maturity. This is really helpful for us. This, this truth is as important for us now as it was for the church in Corinth then. So many have been wrongly taught, wrongly taught that every believer must have the gift of tongues. And, and when we spoke on that particular uh, gift and when we had the, the Zoom session, people were saying that. They've been in churches where the church has declared that everybody should be speaking in tongues and, and people are, are, are told when to do it and how to do it. And this is not what it's about. Spiritual maturity is demonstrated by tongues or other gifts. And that's not the teaching of God's Word. Spiritual maturity is not demonstrated by tongues or the gifts because if spiritual maturity was demonstrated by tongues or any other gift, that means that everybody, every believer should be able to have it. And and they can't and they won't because the Holy Spirit gives as he sees fit. And you may have heard people say, if you don't speak in tongues, it's because you've not received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that can't be right because that means that those that don't speak in tongues, those that haven't got the gift because not everyone has the gift, that means they haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we saw earlier in this chapter 12 that we are baptized in the Holy Spirit the moment we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. The moment God works in our heart and our life through the Holy Spirit and regenerates us, that is the moment that we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, that we receive the Holy Spirit. And and so Paul is asking this rhetorical question to the people then to remind them and to underline the fact that it's not all about tongues. It's not all about one gift. It's a variety of gifts to the body of God's people, to the building up of the church, for the benefit of the church. And we need this teaching now. We need to hear this. Because there can be some of you who have been in situations where you felt a second-rate Christian. Where you felt that you haven't made it because you haven't manifest certain gifts that you are told that you should have, have to have, and can learn. Uh, and, And this rhetorical question in these two verses, are all 
do all debunks it. And we've already heard this. It's not new to us. It's already been explicit in this chapter 12. And it's like Paul has got his highlighter pen out and he's underlining it. Now, now, Paul moves on from this rhetorical question, and he moves on to a statement which, frankly, can be really quite hard to understand because it seems counter, it seems different to what he's been teaching already in this chapter. And this verse causes all manner of challenges within the church family. And so we prayerfully need the Holy Spirit to really guide us here and show us what this is meaning. Verse 31, the first part of it, Paul says to this church, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. He's already said that not everyone has everything. And then so now he's saying, but earnestly Desire the higher gifts. And so our second main heading for this morning, and and the bulk of our teaching will be here. There is a third heading, but that's much, much shorter, just to let you know how things will be going. So higher gifts. We, we, We know from the context of this letter that the Corinthians were letting their individualism get in the way. It was seen in many different aspects of their church life, and here we see it in their church life as regard to spiritual gifts. And so Paul is addressing this individualism and the the, the danger of individualism and the challenge of individualism with regard to spiritual gifts in these chapters uh, 12, 13, and 14. Chapter 12, we've seen the, the, the foundational principles the foundational principles about the gifts of the Spirit. 13, we're going to go on to, is a a vital foundation for the gifts. And and we'll see it as the way of love, but this is about gifts. It's about how we can overcome an individualistic attitude. And then chapter 14, he practically addresses the main problems that the Corinthians had with spiritual gifts. It's very practical, chapter 14. We need to see it like this. Chapter 12 is setting out the foundational principles for spiritual gifts. Chapter 13 is the foundation for a Christian life and spiritual gifts. And once we've got those two in our heads, as the Corinthians got those in their minds, then they could go on and look at the problem. Now we're going to stick to that order. Stick to the order that was inspired, 12, 13, and 14. We're going to stick with that flow. But to understand what Paul is saying here in 12, chapter 12, verses 29 to 31, we need some insights, we need some direction, we need some context from chapter 14. So I will be dipping into chapter 14 now. And, And that's dangerous because there's lots of questions that come out of it. But I just want to to concentrate on some of the main points. Now, as Paul wrote to the Corinthians, they would have known this. They were the church. They they knew themselves. They, They would have known that they put a lot of emphasis on the gift of tongues. 
This overemphasis and this misunderstanding was potentially damaging to the church. And Paul goes on into chapter 14 to explain this. In chapter 14, in verse 6, he says, Brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Tongues is limited because it's not understood. And if it's not understood, it's not a benefit to the gathered church. And the, the Corinthian church was seeing so much value on manifesting this gift of tongues, which was coming out in an inaudible, ununderstandable way. And it was of no benefit to them. And there's only benefit when there is revelation or knowledge, or prophecy, or teaching. That's what they were told then. But they were concentrating on tongues, and, 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 and Paul brings it further home to them. It would seem that when they came together in tongues, they would all speak together in tongues. And he says, therefore, if, in verse 20, 23, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and the outsider or the unbeliever enters, will they not say that you are outside of your minds? Will they not say that you are mad? And it, it, it's, it's a fair comment to make, isn't it? If you've come from a background and you haven't seen a church service or a service and you, you come into a room this sort of size and it's filled with people who are babbling, who are waving their hands, who uh, are shouting in the corner, doing all manner of things, what does any rational mind make you think? And this was a danger. And this was a danger because there was an overemphasis for the gift of tongues that they had. And tongues were taking center stage. And they were wanting and thinking that they should all speak in tongues. Now, I know there's other things in chapter 14 which you're going to say makes a difference. We'll come to that then. But I just want to focus on this point at the moment in time that the Corinthians had this overemphasis on tongues. And, and, and Paul starts... To try to get the message across the Corinthians in 12. There's, there's, there's no mistake in where there's a list. And, and, and with the list, he, he, he puts the gift of tongues at the end. That they're there at the back. And, and he has first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and, and tongues doesn't even get placed. And nowhere in the list does he turn around and say what we say. If we have a list of people, maybe we're thanking some people, and then we say, last but not least. He didn't even throw in a phrase like that. It's at the end. It's the end. And, and Paul is endeavoring to get this message across to the Corinthians. He puts the, the tongues at the end of, of the list of the gifts. And in verse 31, he starts by making some clarity here with the words, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. Again, if we look forward to chapter 14, we're given more insight earlier on in, in, chapter, in verse 5, in the second part of verse 5. It's, Paul says this, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. 
And we're going to look into this in much more depth when we get to that chapter. But for the moment, Paul is telling the Corinthians, you're putting too much emphasis on tongues. And and, and the gifts that are preferred, the gifts that you should be thinking of, the higher gifts are the gifts that build up the church. Tongues do not build up the church. Unless they're translated, unless they're interpreted. Tongues don't do that. That's not what, they're, what it is about. And, 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 and Paul is saying that the higher gifts, the, the, the ones that are to be preferred, are, are the ones that build up the church. Now we may be thinking, how, how does this work out? We, we've clearly learned earlier on in this passage that we are all one body. And we've clearly learned that the the gifts are given and we need everybody and no one person is more important than the other. And here we have thinking that some gifts are more important than others and there are these higher gifts to be earnestly desired. What is going on? How does this work itself out? David Jackman, in his book uh, commentary called Let's Study 1 Corinthians, said this, The ranking has nothing to do with the individual that God has chosen to be the channel of grace, but everything to do with the gift's effectiveness in building up the body of Christ. So you don't rate or gauge people by their gifts. That's not how you do it. It's not about the person. We are all part of the body. We're all important. We don't choose the gift. God gives us the gift. But there are some gifts that are greater because they are used to build up the body. They are there for edification. And and, and the church at Corinth, to function to grow, to be the bride of Christ that God had called it to be, they needed to get over their obsession of individualistic abuse of the gift of tongues. And they needed to desire gifts in a way that would edify the church as a whole. And for them then, it was first apostles, second prophets, and third teachers. And I underline, for them then, first apostles, second prophets, and third teachers. Because when we bring this to apply to our situation, the principle is the same. The principle is exactly the same. We need to desire and value gifts which edify, or which instruct, or which improve the church over those that do not. We need to desire and value gifts which edify, gifts which instruct, gifts which improve the church over those that do not. And as we live in a time that the role of apostles and prophets have finished, we are left with teachers and teaching. And in our day and age, The gifts that are for edification are the gifts like teachers and preachers. And these are higher gifts than those that are not used for education, like tongues. And the emphasis in our church, the emphasis in churches now, should be 
the teaching of the word. This is what's been said here. The emphasis in churches should be the teaching of the word. And tragically, how often do we see it that the emphasis has moved away from the teaching of God's word to drama, to worship, to tongues. And, and these things are not bad in them of themselves. And these things may take a place within a church family and a church role. But if they are taking the supreme place, then we've got it wrong. We've got it badly wrong. Because the greater gift, the thing that we should be earnestly desiring, is God's Word being taught. Is teachers and preachers who have been enabled through the power of the Holy Spirit, who have been gifted with those spiritual gifts and abilities to be able to teach and to preach and to see the church built up. People who are able to pastor the church, to care for the church, to counsel individuals, to to get alongside people, to point people to Christ and to point people to Christ through His Word. And so the emphasis of our church should be the teaching of God's Word, the proclaiming of God's Word, the pastoring of God's Word. So does that mean we all need to be teachers? Or does it all mean that we should be trying to be teachers? Or should we all be praying that God makes us teachers and preachers? No, that's, that's not what this chapter's whole teaching is. We, we are not all teachers. We're not all called to do that. So then the question we have is, how do we earnestly desire the higher gifts? And I think it's helpful for us to understand what the original word means here. It's been translated for us in this version as earnestly desire. But it has the meaning of being deeply committed to something. And friends, we can be deeply committed to a gift without actually having that gift ourselves. We can be deeply committed to the preaching and the proclamation of God's Word without having that ourselves. We can be deeply committed to wanting to see the kingdom of God come and to see uh, good teaching and good pastoring, although we may not be called or equipped or able to do that ourselves, but we can be committed to it. And this is what this passage is telling us, that we have to have this commitment. It doesn't mean we have to have that individual gift ourselves. As a church, we should be saying, this is what we need. This is what should be promoted at LPC. The preaching and the teaching of God's Word and and having people with spiritual gifts that are able to do that for us. And we can be part of it. So, So practically, we should be asking ourselves, you should be asking yourself as a believer, am I using my gifts to benefit the church? Am I serving the church? And then very practically, within regard to this, of, of desiring, the, and, and earnestly desiring or, or, or being deeply committed to the, the, uh, the higher gifts, we should be sort of practically thinking along these lines. Maybe your gift of giving, your gift of giving could be supporting 
the teachers to use their gift for the edification of the church. And there you are. Your direct gift isn't teaching. But through the gift that God has given you, you are facilitating and enabling the greater gifts. Your gifts used in, in the media team means that the church can hear what's being said. It means that others can catch up online. It means the sick and the infirmed can watch from home. And although their direct gift and ability isn't teaching, they are supporting, they are benefiting, they are committed to the higher gifts. Maybe your gift of taking care of children means that young parents who would normally be run ragged in the service are able to sit and listen to God's word. And you are being committed to the greater gifts. Perhaps your gift of administration means that the right people are in the right place at the right time to teach and hear the teaching of God's word. Administration isn't teaching, but it's facilitating and enabling and allowing the greater gifts to be a blessing to the edification of the whole church. Maybe your gift of helping means that the disabled person can get to church. It may mean that the older person who is so tired and isn't able to, to really enjoy Sunday because Saturdays are hard work to them, and, and your gift of helping them enables them to be able to be rested and enjoy the Lord's Day and be edified. See, this, this gifting works together for the benefit of the church. And we get it messed up because so often we think we have to earnestly desire the higher gifts. And when the, the Corinthians originally saw that, heard that, or had it out of context, they think this is going to be tongues. And no, it's not tongues. They thought it's going to be miracles. No, it's not miracles. This is the higher gift. What edifies us as God's children is prophecy, is the uh, apostles, the apostles, the prophets, and the teachers. And, and now the apostles and the prophets are in here. And the teachers are those that bring God's word to us. We are a body. And we have to earnestly desire the higher gifts. You've probably heard me say this before when we've had, uh, we've been welcoming people and we've been saying that we are a, a church that puts God's word central. This is why we do it. This is what it's all about. We are earnestly desiring the higher gifts. And so you need to be thinking yourself personally, what am I doing for the benefit of this church? Is my services and gifts being used directly or indirectly for the edification of the church? And, and so often we get so uptight and upset and thinking, what are my gifts, what are my gifts, what are my gifts? And, and we spend all our time thinking about our gifts and we, we're just no good to the church. And, and what we just need to do is get on and serve the church. And in serving the church, whether it be making a cup of tea to facilitate something, or whether it be involved in children, or setting up, or cleaning, or speaking, or teaching, or inviting, or whatever it is, we need to get on, and we need to see that our purpose is after this greater gift 
And, and, and the greater gifts, the higher gifts that we should be earnestly desiring is God's word being taught and God's word being proclaimed and us learning from God's word. So friend, are you now, those of you that are believers, those of you that have committed to LPC, are your gifts, are your service, are you getting involved for the benefit of the church? Directly or indirectly for the edification, for the teaching of God's word. And if you're not, may I encourage you to think about how you can do that. And, and if you are, may I encourage you to keep on at it. And through that, we will, as a church, grow. And through that, as a church, we will recognize different people's gifts. And it may be that the area that you start off serving in ends up to be very different to the area you end up ministering in. There's a person, when they first came to this church, they just involved themselves in cleaning the toilets, Sunday by Sunday by Sunday. And they ended up being someone who was very involved with teaching God's Word. Now, before Paul goes on to address the problem of the wrong application of spiritual gifts, and he does that in chapter 14, he, he brings uh, a message to the church at Corinth that is central to the whole letter. And this is the filling of the sandwich, if you like. The, the, the teaching of, of, of chapter 13 is the very thing that's not only going to help the Corinthians with their spiritual gifts to get them right, but it also addresses all the other problems that they've had before. And, and I believe chapter 13, if this was applied in every church around the world, 99.9% .9 of the church's problems would evaporate. That, that's how important I think chapter 13 is. And the Apostle Paul does too, because he says, I will show you a still more excellent way. Now think of the weighty things that he's been talking about. Big things, deep things, spiritual gifts, the teaching of God's word. And then he goes on and says, and I will show you a still more excellent way. And my third point really is a short point in closing. The more excellent way. Paul had just been speaking to the Corinthians about spiritual gifts. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. He's listed out twice what these spiritual gifts are. And now he grabs their attention after telling them to, to strive for the higher gifts, to strive for the teaching and the preaching of the word. And then he says, and I will show you still a more excellent way. And again, the, the original here gives an insight to what's going on. The, the, the word excellent way there could have also meant in their minds as they heard it, extraordinary. Can you get it? Yeah? I will show you a still more extraordinary 
way. I will show you an all-surpassing way. I will show you a way beyond measures. They've had some big stuff in chapter 12. They're hearing this teaching on spiritual gifts. And Paul is saying, that is it. We're going to park that. And now we're going to move on to something amazing. We're going to move on to something incredible. We're going to move on to something extraordinary. And you could you say to yourself, what is more extraordinary than a miracle? What is more extraordinary than people speaking in tongues? What is more extraordinary than apostles and prophets and teaching? Well, I think that if the Corinthians were from Africa, the Apostle Paul would have said it like this, and I will show you the next level. That, that, that's how it would have been. I will show you the next level. How many so-called apostles and prophets have shouted that out? Go to the next level. The original one is here. The original apostle Paul is telling us, is telling the Corinthians what the next level is. And this is what's exciting. We've heard about the gifts. We're intrigued by the gifts. We are excited by preached word. And then Paul is saying, I will show you the next level. And God willing, the next level is for next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, before we come into this more excellent way, may we truly understand what it is to earnestly desire the higher gifts. Forgive us for the times we replace the true higher gifts with other things, selfish motives, selfish desires, wrong attitudes. Oh Lord God, forgive us when we've gone after what we shouldn't be going after. But help us as individuals and help us as a church to earnestly desire the higher gifts. And no matter where we are in the body, whether we be someone who teaches or whether we be someone who cleans or whether we be someone who practically works on the tech or looks after the catering or whatever it is. May you draw us together in unity. And may we be earnestly desiring the higher gifts. And may your word and the proclamation of it take center stage. And through that, may you be glorified now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we prayed. Amen. Who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority, both now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.